0: Okay, just gonna continue this morning. It seems like God is tying together the word revelation, what it means to, to have a revelation. And we talked about the revelation that, that is the means of God expressing himself through his word, and that is his son, right? And, and the son glorifying him. And then that word expiate, to be expiated and uh, to have our needs dealt with, to to enter into atonement and reconciliation. And that's all that revelation. The truth of the full revelation of, of God is through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ, in John 1, verse 14, put on humanity. And everything he did, starting in Matthew 4, verse 1, and Luke 4, verse 1, was led by the Holy Spirit. So that in everything that he did, In John 8, verse 29, and Romans 15, verse 3, he pleased the Father. And we being in him, and he being that very life that we have in Colossians 3, verse 4, is God pleased with who we are in his Son. And he is completely satisfied. And that goes into a revelation. So, before we get into, and this is going to reveal to us the fact of our position in Christ, and we haven't even got yet into uh, the epistle of Ephesians, but it helps explain this revelation of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That revelation that's unchangeable becomes a personal rhema, and that's when he takes the personal revelation to us that Christ is... The very thought of God towards us, he makes it personal in that. And that's his way of constantly revealing himself to to us as individuals. And then when we come together, we have something in common. It's called fellowship. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? So when we go into this morning, I believe as God's leading us this morning, about what is the character of the revelation of God the character, the revelation of God. Now, we've said before, and, and God has brought it out, uh, when he provided for himself in Genesis 22, verse 8, in doing so, he provided for us. So everything of his providing, the very revelation of what uh, manifests the glory of him, has to do with the unconditional promises that are fulfilled in Christ. So everything about us is fulfilled unconditionally in the promise that Christ is. And that's an awesome thing when we consider, even in the fact of when you see the fall in Genesis, the third chapter, by the time you get to the 15th verse, it's speaking of the cross. The head, uh, Christ, the seed of the woman, would crush the head of the serpent He would have his heel bruised, and that would speak of his humanity on the cross, but it would have his head crushed. Those are the promises. So the very character of the revelation of God. So here we have, and what that brings out is the two atoms, right? The two atoms, okay. Now, when we talk about the two atoms, where that is really brought out beautifully, you can see that brought out in the book of Romans, Epistle of Romans, and also in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. But again, that's even, again, brought out in Genesis, the third chapter also. So when it talks about that, when we see that in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, we're going to see what that is talking about and how it goes into the revelation of the very character of God versus the revelation of the character of another scoundrel, (laughs) the man in the flesh. So we see in 1 Corinthians 15, and it goes into all these particular things, and what God would have us to do in the 34th verse of 1 Corinthians 15 is to awake to righteousness, to understand, to think soberly. That's what it means to awake. To think soberly to the very righteousness that we are in Christ. Everything that God did, yes, it was based upon righteousness. Sometimes we think, yeah, we're saved by grace, but what was that based upon? If God was going to give us grace, it, it had to be righteous. It had to be a right way of doing it. So that's why it says in Psalm 11, verse 7, the righteous Lord loves righteousness. Because that is, in one sense, too, it is an attribute of his very character, his nature, his essence. So it says this again in 1534, 1 Corinthians, a way to to righteousness. How? Look at verse 33, by not being deceived. Where would the deception come in, in terms of the Christian? Where would that be? It wouldn't be in the first man, would it? Yes, it would. It, would, it, would be, it wouldn't be in the second man, but it would be in the first. But in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communications, evil communications, that means companions, right? And we can be a companion of each other in the flesh. Evil communications is companions, corrupt good manners, right? They corrupt good manners of course the only good that we have is god himself in exodus 34 and verse 6 so then it says awake to righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of god now that means as a christian i can have it declared i can live in declarative knowledge but is it experiential and do i really have it then or has it really have does it really have a hold of me in my experience So, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Where's the shame located? Is it in the character of God, of who we are in Christ? No, there is no shame there. In other words, in Hebrews 2.11, he's not ashamed to call us brethren because he sees us after the life that he is in us. And there's no shame there because he's dealt with it. Where is the shame, though? It's in the other character. <laughs> it's, it's in that Adam life that still wants to make an appearance from the dead through the flesh. So, awake to righteousness and sin not. Some have not the knowledge of God. That, yeah, that's experience for us, too. If we, either we don't have it, because we've never been taught, or when it is taught, we don't submit our will to it and don't have it in our experience. So, I speak this to your shame. Now, when it talks about shame... Remember, the beauty of what we have, and to understand shame now in this context, we have to go to 2 Timothy, uh, the first chapter. Okay, and this is what it says. And a wonderful thing of what it says, too. In 2 Timothy 1.12, For this cause, for for the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not what? Ashamed. When it's the cause, and who is God's cause? It's Christ. When, when it is this cause that I'm suffering for, there's no shame. But in the wrong cause, functioning under the wrong head, is there shame? For I know whom I have believed. That's experience. That's constant experience, right? And am persuaded. Who does the persuading? The flesh life? The Adam life? The first Adam? No. I am persuaded that he is what? Able. Who's able? Who has the ability? Christ does in me as I submit to him. He has this ability to what? Keep. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, we are kept by the power of God. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that simply means, I, wisdom means I don't do the keeping. And wisdom means it's knowing when, where, and how to appropriate and apply experientially even that knowledge that we have in him. So what can we do without him? In John 15, verse 5, nothing. For I know, experience whom I believed, and that becomes the persuasion of his ability to actually keep that which I have committed unto him against that day hold fast put that was my thought this morning on on the the post there that god still has me posting at times on facebook he said no not yet occasionally all right so we'll put it on the other one won't we (laughs) hold fast that form of sound words Proper image, proper experience, proper uh, position in Christ, which you have heard of me in, look, in faith, absolute dependence, which brings me to love and brings me to my proper position in Christ Jesus. And so when we go back here in 1 Corinthians fifteen, thirty-three, we stop being deceived by evil communications, by evil companions. Be careful who you're with and know why you're with them corrupt because they will corrupt good manners, right? Awake to righteousness, wake up to righteousness, and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with which body they come? You fool, self-confidence, you that puts confidence in yourself, that's a fool. That which you sow is not... Brought to life, except it die first. And that which you sow, you sow not the, that body that will be, but bare grain. Of course, it could be wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as it pleased him, and to every seed, his own body. Now, when you talk about the seeds here, I'm talking about the two seeds. You know, you know what you get from a seed, right? And out of it comes life. What kind of life? First Adam, first seed, what? Fallen, ruined, no good in it. Second Adam, seed. The seed of the woman in Genesis 3, verse 15. We're talking about seeds here. Okay, we have one in us. We still have one old seed in the flesh in us, but we're not of it. Why does God not just take it out? Well, that's called the humility process. (laughs) That's what's called humility because we wouldn't know one without the other and the other without the one, right? And we won't need him anymore. <laughs> Learning what we aren't by, by and then teaching us who we are. When we see him face to face, then it's over. Then it's just all uninterrupted, eternal revelation and manifestation of who we are in Christ. So again, all flesh... All bodies are not the same bodies but there is one kind of a body of men of beasts of fish and of birds there are also celestial bodies what's that what's a celestial body angels she gets the gold star she does and the glory of the terrestrial what's that it's the earth earthy eh So we have a celestial body, spiritual body, because of Christ. And we're on our way. So when the seed of our outward body, this, this body of the earth, dies, off we go. Off we go. Yay! The glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is the glory of the sun. And then there's another glory of the moon. Right, And the moon does what? Reflects the glory of the sun. It has nothing in itself, but it reflects the glory of the sun. And another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. Can you imagine? We can't compute. The human mind can't compute, can't come up with the number of the stars there are. And each one is different. Our uh, God isn't too precise. Our, our Creator, Christ, His pre incarnate state when He created, that's the one that put on humanity and did everything for us. <laughs> the glory of a star differs from another star in glory. So also is, here it is, the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. That's Romans 6, 1 through 6. The old man is dead, it's crucified, it's dead. Colossians 3, 3, we died. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. That's why Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Because if it did, where did it proceed from? Second Adam or first? It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Really, the words here should be, it is sown in mortality, but it is raised in immortality. Those are the proper words. It is sown in dishonor. Oh boy. Anything in the flesh is what? Dishonor. Where is all of God's honor, his value located? It's in Christ. Where are we truly located? As far as God sees us, it's in Christ. And so, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Do we have Christ in us right now? Colossians 1.27 says we do. It is sown in weakness. Are we weak right now? Hebrews 12, 1. Yeah, but it's raised in what? Power. Do we have that right now as our life? Yes. Or are we waiting to get it? Do we have resurrection life? Is it that life that Christ is in us above everything? And it is. So again, it is sown a natural body. Natural. Those are all the struggles. The problems. The doubts. The fears. The worry. You know meanwhile we have the eternal life in us that settled everything (laughs) there is there is a natural body and there's a spiritual body and so it is written the first man adam was made a what living soul everything about him was self-consciousness everything about him the last adam was made a what life-giving spirit and that's why we need the teaching of the word to separate the flesh that's in us that we're not other in Romans 8, 9, through the word that's being taught, and that's the sword that separates in Hebrews 4, verse 12, and that we definitely need, all of us individually, only the individual can take up that sword of the Spirit, but it takes a choice, it takes a submitted will. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, how be it that was not first which is spiritual, Right? Spiritual. Was, was Adam created a spiritual being? He was created spirit, soul, and body, but he was functioning in what? Innocence. Was holiness involved? No. He didn't, there was no test. There wasn't any test. Right? So, before we get into that subject, right, how be it that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is what? Natural. He had natural life. And he was blessed. He was blessed. But the minute, the first temptation, what happened? Instantly, instantly fell. And he became what? Everything about him became what? Corrupt. That's the flesh in us. That we're not of, but we can function in. So how be it that was, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. Everything about us. All the details in Matthew the 6th chapter. And those 34 verses. everything. So if I live in the flesh, everything about me has to do with the earth. It's about now. Every, every single thing. The first man is of the earth. Earthy. Ooh, what does that mean, earthy? Wow. We have to go to the scriptures again. hope you don't, hope you don't mind, because I don't. No, seriously, I don't mind. I, I, I honestly don't. I need it. So, earthy, what is that supposed to mean? And how would I understand that particular scripture in its context of what God is teaching all of us individually this morning? So we would have to turn then, as God leads us, to a particular place in James the third chapter. So James the third chapter says this in verse, and and, and so we see in verse 10, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Those two seeds, those two individuals in us, Right? Right? My brethren, these things ought not so to be, right? Because we don't know yet, but we're growing. Do we know anything it was we ought to? No. But the things that we do know, in that sense, the light and the grace that it brings, does that make us, the grace and the light, make us responsible and accountable to receive the love that's, that's given us the light about who we are, right? So out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be, Does a fountain send forth at the same place, notice the same place, sweet water, who we are in Christ, or bitter, who we are in the flesh? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? What's that describing? Could that be a struggle? Who I am in Christ, who I am in the flesh, and I'm struggling. Right? Who is a wise man man, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. Conversation reveals my lifestyle. My lifestyle is Christ. A good lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. That means personal works. That doesn't mean I'm doing something to please God. But the individuality of Christ that he accomplished about me and I receive it, I function in it and they become mine. They become mine. With meekness, right? And that takes a yoke, right? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Learn of me for I'm meek and, and lowly in heart, right? In mind and emotions, everything about me. With meekness of wisdom and Christ is our wisdom. But if you have bitter envying, Oh, God, you're not satisfied where you are, (laughs) your job, your finances, where you live. If you have, and then you what? If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. And look, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is what? What's the first thing it says? Mm -hmm. Earthly. Do we understand earthly here? Right? Do we see that right here? Right? The first man is of the earth, as is the earthy, so all also those that are earthy. That's their experience. That becomes what they believe their life is. Their life becomes details. Their life becomes what they own, their job, their finances. That becomes their life, which is, is Christ our life. Colossians 3 verse 4. Well, Earthy. Right? But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above. Now when it says that, that wisdom is not descending from above, can any of us receive anything except it come from above in John 3 verse 27? No. But in me, he must increase continually to grow experientially in who I am in Christ. But I, the old I, must what? Decrease. And who's that rascal? (laughs) Right? So this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthy, sensual. That means, and, and demonic. In other words, living by the senses. My life is what I sense and what I believe I need then I go about trying to fulfill it. If it's not fulfilled in the way, the time, and the place that I think it should be, what must I do? There's some change that has to happen. That's Matthew 20. uh, That's Proverbs 24, verse 21. Meddle not with them that are given to change. That means you need to be around believers who function around Christ right where they're at. They don't need a change. If they do, that's not fellowship. We need to be careful not judge, but discern, even discern where we're at with each other. Is it good for me to be around this particular believer? Is it a good thing for me to for that to happen? Is it? Without judging them, but discerning. Is it good? Would it be good for me? Would it be good for them? Is it does it have to do with God's glory? Is there a blessing involved? So it's sensual, living by the senses. Second Corinthians 5 7, we walk by faith, not by the senses, the emotions. In other words, I perceive everything based upon empiricism, how I feel. I determine everything, even the word and what fellowship is and what worship is, based upon what? My emotions. And what kind of emotions and where did I get them from? The thought life, the mind and the emotion that would the thoughts initiate to the emotions and the emotions respond to the content of the thinking of the mind that it initiates. And so what we see here then is, they they are earthly and they become sensual. And then what? Demonic. What does that mean? What does demonic mean? Watch what it says. When we function in this area as believers in Christ, and we can, right? We can. We can function in those. When they become earthy, sensual, and demonic, what does that mean? Now, I can't be possessed, of course, because Christ is there, and there's no room for anything else, and we'll, won't allow it. But can I be obsessed? And this is where the obsession comes. This is 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, expressly, very important, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. What is the faith? Everything about who the person of Christ is and the work that he's accomplished in me as an individual. All that teaching, continual teaching. Depart from the faith. That's the shield in Ephesians 6.16 whereby we are able to quench all those lying on fire, false reasonings that consume us. When you depart from the faith, what do you do? You give heed to seducing spirits through the senses, through the emotions. You get seduced, right? You get seduced away from your proper head, Stop functioning under the the first head, Adam, and who's his daddy. Giving heed to seducing spirits and then all these doctrines of demons they're going to teach you based upon your earthy, sensual emotions through a bad thought life. That's why, again, we need to constantly, when we get together, we need to know what that is like. It, it, no matter what we're doing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We could be doing anything and still be functioning in Christ and, ha- and have joy. Speaking lies in 1 Timothy four 4.2. Speaking lies in what? Hypocrisy. I don't know. Is, that, is, is the flesh not hypocritical? is it not a pretender? Romans 12 verse 9, let love be without what? Pretending, without being a hypocrite. Dissimulation, the King James says, you know, I don't know about dissimulate, but I do know about being a pretender. I do know. And that's what that word does mean in the English, by the way. It means being a pretender. where we get our our English word hypocrite. Let it, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, cauterized with a hot iron. God, I know one thing, I don't want to live like that. And then, and then you even think of the forms that happen, because if we don't have the form of proper words, which we saw in 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, we go about what? Having a form of godliness in 2 Timothy 3, 5, but deny the power thereof. The power is Christ. We deny, and all these systems come up. And what do you suppose this one is in 1 Timothy 4, verse 3? I'll leave it up to your imagination forbidding to marry. Hmm. Hmm. Certain individuals in a certain function can't marry. But boy, they sure do a lot of other things in secret. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Hmm, certain day. Very interesting. Which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe, have received, and been taught, and experience it through a submitted will, and thus know the truth. They know the truth of who they are. This is all going into a proper revelation. But, you know, that revelation that's immutable, unchangeable, what does that go into for us individually as we grow in it? A personal what? Rhema. A personal spoken word that God speaks to us directly. And did you know we can open our Bibles? And when we lack wisdom, we can ask of God, and where do you suppose he's going to point us to? These Bibles. And then if we don't know how to interpret it properly, he will do it skillfully through his grace and truth, through a little vessel (laughs) that that, even that vessel can't even put together themselves apart from him and do it in a way where we can all function equally. And that's an incredible thing. So again, here's what it says. Again, how be it that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual the first man is what of the earth well where did god create adam's body (laughs) genesis 2 7 the dust of the ground so everything where do you suppose all every material thing that you and i have every material thing that you see here i don't care where you look where did it come from the earth Isn't that the thing we look to naturally before anything? Yeah, and our heartbeat. Boy, I like that thing. (laughs) And it's okay to like things directed by God when he's our source. Whoa, okay. (laughs) Thing. Oh, I love it though, right? The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Everything about us is what? Heavenly, not earthly. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. Why do you like being around certain people? As a believer, I'm not talking unsaved. Why do you like being around certain people? Because what do you have in common? Is it Christ? Or something earthy? Then the earthy thing as a Christian, that becomes the fellowship. Zing. (laughs) Zing. I love it. I love the conviction. Right? Such are the earthy, as is the heavenly. Such are they also that are heavenly. Are we heavenly? Is our position in Christ? It is. As we have borne the image, the false, the lying image, of the earthy, Adam, we will also bear the image of what the heavenly that's what he's teaching us and that's why we constantly have that separation hebrews four twelve, and when we learn hebrews four twelve through the revelation that's unchangeable in a personal rhema in spiritual battle we take up the sword of the spirit the sword of the spirit in ephesians 6 verse 17 is he which takes the things of christ that revelation and shows them unto us guides us into all truth That's the personal rhema in John 16, 13, and 14. That's why we have to have all these scriptures, (laughs) because we have to put it together so we can get right thinking. That's something only God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit to every single one of us. We all have that in common. We all have it equal. We're all humble and dependent, especially, especially those that he in any way intends to use. Zinc. <laughs> okay. Now, this I say, brethren, that, that blood and flesh is the proper interpretation. Cannot inherit the kingdom of God experientially. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Neither does mortality inherit immortality experientially. But I'm going to show you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Sleep here. All those... Believers' bodies that are in the grave waiting to be resurrected while they're instantly in the presence of God. That goes into the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Behold, I show you a mystery, something that's to be revealed. We will not all sleep. We're not all going to die, but we will all be changed. Yay. In a moment, that's between 11 and 11, one hundredths and 11 fourteenths uh, 11 of a second. <laughs> blink your eyes, blink your eyes, and you know what that's saying? We will all be changed. Blink your eyes. Second Corinthians five 8. Absent from the body, blink your eyes. Present with the Lord. You know how many miles that is? Light years. You want to talk about the speed of <laughs> God? <laughs> to get us from one place to the other. Right just amazing, we will all be changed in a moment, what can God do in a moment when we submit to him, what can he do in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, 1 Corinthians 14 7-11, get into Numbers the 10th chapter for the types the trumpet will sound, what kind of trumpet is it, it's silver, what is it always speaking, redemption redemption, will sound and the dead, the dead, those those bodies in the grave, will be raised, what? Incorruptible, immortal. And we will all, those that didn't, be changed. For this this immortal, this mortal, this corruptible must put on incorruption, which is immortality, by the way. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible will have put on incorruption, is that experience too? Yeah, that's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 to 24. You put off the old. Is that a decision? Does have something to do with the world. And you put on the new proper position, proper experience, proper image. Now you have proper worship. Worship. Oh boy. It's got nothing to do with self by the way. Self is not involved. Mm-mm. This makes me feel good. Are we to go by our, our feelings, our emotions? No, we walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, not by sight. The things that are seen are what? temple, they're passing away. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18. But the things that are not seen are what? Eternal. And who are we? Products of time or beings of eternity in Christ? So when this this corruptible would have put on incorruption and this mortal would have put on immortality then will be brought to pass the saying what what death is swallowed up in victory scores of scriptures on that oh death then where is your sting oh grave where is your victory the sting of death is sin the strength of sin is what the law the law of what the 10 commandments no. All that brings out is in Romans 8:2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from what? The law of sin and death. That's all legalism, yeah. legalistic teaching ever brought up. The flesh constantly trying to please God. Because after all, God did this for us. The least we can do is this for him. <laughs> then you get into all those steps, right? Instead of walking in the steps in First Peter 2:21 of the accomplishment of the work of Christ, which goes into Ephesians 2 verse 10, His works that were preordained, that he came, and he walked in a way for every single one of us, our personal steps. because he counted them all in job 31 verse 4. And the steps of a good man, a grace man are ordained in Psalm 37 verse 23 of who, the Lord through Christ. Walking in the right steps. Our life is made up of steps, moments. We need to know when, where, and how, and where to go and what to do. Again, death, death is swallowed up in victory. We're more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And that is all brought out. These verses are brought out in constant different places. But the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But separated from that, the separation, preaching of the word, experience, flesh in us that we're not of, Romans 8, 9. But thanks be to God, which gives us, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is he constantly giving us that victory? Yes. It's been given to us positionally. How is it going to be worked out? It's going to be worked out experientially. And it's going to be through trials. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7, knowing that the trial of your faith, what? Is much more precious than what? Gold that what? Perishes. What do we go after? That gold. Where'd we get the gold? Where's the gold from? The earth. The earth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast unmovable, always abounding in your work. No, in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not without purpose because he's doing the working. So finally, what we come to here is what we go into this character of the revelation of God. That was through what we are learning and we're going to continue to learn all of this together is expiation and what that means. The vicarious atonement, right? Vicarious, one who suffers in the place of another. And we get to share not the suffering of what he already dealt with through the failure of sin, but we get to suffer righteously in him, because that's part of our call too. That's again, that's Philippians 1 27 to 29. It's given that's given unto us in 2 Timothy 2 12. If we suffer with him the right way, we will what? Reign with him. When? Now, how? Experientially. But there's got to be a separation, right? So here we have the revelation, the character of the revelation of God, the two atoms. We have God's government, which is a sovereign government. And what is that government? What does that government do? You know what it does? God takes up poor sinners. What's a poor sinner? Nothing in myself of any value. I look to myself. When I look to myself, what do I get? discouraged when I look to others what do I get disappointed but when I look to Christ what do I get I got encouraged I get all the courage that I need that's Hebrews chapter 10 you look at verses 34 and 35 and we can see the beauty of those verses Mm -hmm. so he God takes up poor sinners that's us it's you and me he blots out their sins well where's that well as the Holy Spirit brings it back to me I can say it's in Isaiah 43 verse 25 in Isaiah 44 verse 22 in Hebrews 8:12 in Hebrews 10:17 he blots them out and when he does so in Colossians 2:14 and 15, it's like a debt that you and I may have owed. You owe somebody something they write it down. You know when you write with ink you ain't getting it out. <laughs> But when you pay it, you cross it out. It's crossed out, but can you still see it? Mm -hmm. That's how man does it, but God, it's gone. It's completely and utterly gone. He doesn't treat us after that, because Christ dealt with it. We're free. The ledger's been balanced completely, Mm. right? Are we in the red or the black? We've got everything in Christ. So he blots out their sins and places them in the same glory as his Son. This is a revelation of God. This is expiation. This is finished work. This is what? And then he does what? Does he just leave us that way? No, He in Romans 8, 28 and 29, he begins to conform us, to form us, in our image, what? The image of his son and who he's made us to be in him in our own individuality. Only God can do that to you as an individual because everything he did was individual, right? And what does he do? It's affecting, he does all this, it's an effect of what? According to the righteousness of God that we have based upon the fact that he gave us his son. He is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1.30 and, and look on what? By means of what? By Christ's sacrifice. What can we sacrifice to God? Come on. Tell you what, we bring and you can see it all through the Old Covenant and all those offerings and all those types. You bring a substitute. And in bringing him and presenting him who do we present? Truthfully us in him. That's how God sees us. But it's by sacrifice by which he, God, the Son, has fully glorified God and respect of not only that nature, that sin nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6, but all those sins being dealt with that are blotted out. And let me tell you, do you ever see, hear someone say, well, I forgive you, but I'm never going to forget it. <laughs> God, God's not like that. Because you know what that is? That's all. You owed me. You offended me. You get right? Okay, I'm going to cross it out. But whenever I want, I can look beyond that X and still see it. Is that God's forgiveness? Is that how he treats us? Does that have to do with expiation? Is that the revelation of God through Christ? And by Christ. (laughs) The image, right? Boy, that's not too convicting to me right now. Unbelievable. But what we see here is so incredible. All these truths are fully disclosed to you and I. And all it has to do with is what? Our our heavenly glory in Christ. Are we of the earth? Earthy? Or is all our wisdom heavenly? Christ in heaven. Our position in him. Our position in him. And what a beautiful thing that is. And what does it all have to do with? God furnishes us with the expression of who He is through His Son. And we see that you can see all those principles, all those truths and types all through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. In germ, every truth, in germ, seed, seed. And you can see, look at the first chapter of Genesis, seeds, right? And the seed of the woman. See, seeds, right? All, all life has springs out of that seed. All the truths about who we are in Christ is all in seed form, mystery form, though, to a lot in Genesis. But brought out fully by Christ. So you can see how God is tying this together like only he can do. And I'm on the ride with you, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it and thankful for it. But what did it, what it do? They are all established, and it's a good thing for our hearts to be established with, Hebrews thirteen nine, grace. And the grace is the truth about who Christ is, and they can never be separated and first, and in John 1, verse 14. And so we see that they're established and operative in our minds, in our hearts, which would lead to what? What is it all supposed to lead to? Obedience. Right? And we can obey why? because love has finished it for us now we just submit to it we return his love oh god love's being loved by us individually as he's made us to love him it's so incredible when you think about it and and what to the accomplishment of god's will who fulfilled the obedience and the accomplishment of god's will but Christ and let me tell you he did it for us individually that's john 4 verse 34 John 5:17 and John 19 verse 30. This is intimacy that he desires with us individually. It's intimacy. It's that accomplishment of God's will through the obedience of Christ. Again, that's second Corinthians 10 four to six if you want to get the correlation of obedience. And we can correlate uh, John 14 21 and twenty three with first John 5 one through three. obedient things, obedient verses that Christ has. Has done and created us. Those are the works that we're to walk in in 210 of Ephesians. And so what it does is the Ten Commandments, remember those Ten Commandments in Exodus 23 to 17? Some still preach those like unbelievable. <laughs> you know, God did this, now we take these and do this for him. But those ten commandments, what did they ever do? They don't create duty, some think so. You you owe God, you you have a duty. <laughs> Well, I don't know why it says in Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no man nothing but love. How do I express what I don't owe you? In my own personal obedience, the love of God flowing in and through me, right, goes to you and goes right back to him. It's the beauty of fellowship, the beauty of oneness. It doesn't create duty. But the existence of that law is founded on what? It only has to do with the relationships. How do we function in certain relationships? All the law, it says, is contained in this. And Jesus said it in Matthew 22, 37 and 39. Love God and love your neighbors as yourself. Notice the order? And all of that was bringing that out. All of it was in Exodus 23 to 17. By the way, with those 613 statutes and ordinances, that are all contained in there, and if you think you can keep up with those at any one time, yet you can offend in one point in James 2.10 and guilty of breaking the whole thing, because if you break off a piece, you've broken the whole thing, because it's one. Christ did it all for us in Matthew 5.17 and 18, did it for for true Israel, and he did it for us in him in in Romans 10.4. So, but it all had to do with these relationships in which God placed us. So what do we live by? What are we, where are we placed in right now, in Christ? But when I, my experience is being placed in the flesh, then what? Not so good. But thank God, as we begin to, to close this, that, that that's the difference between principles, and we want to get into the word principle too, also. The principles of the law that were laid down by Jesus, versus the Ten Commandments. Because is that all that Christ fulfilled? Just the Ten Commandments? With those 613 statutes and ordinance? No, he went way above all that. That's why you get into the book of Hebrews. And he is better than all that law that Moses presented. Because he's far above it. And then some. And some more for us. For all eternity. The t- Jesus, the law of Jesus... compared with the Ten Commandments. The principles drawn by Him. Right? But is He absolute good in all its extent of grace? Is it? And is that the only answer to every question of sin? This is grace, isn't it? And His truth. So as we wrap this up this morning, what can we see? What, What do we see? How much God's for us? how much he's for us, how much he loves us, how how much of what we are in the value and the treasure of who his son is with him, with you and I, placed in him positionally. And boy, does his love want us to constantly experience it to his glory and to our blessing. Amen? So Father, thank you this morning for the word. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.